Jesus, look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Ten episodes, <laughs> Number ten. Surprise, <laughs> this is the whole episode that we're done with the podcast. We hate each other now. This was disgusting. Bye. Goodbye. We actually like hate it. we've hated each other the entire time. Did yes, we fool we've you? We've hated each other for years. Yes, we're just great actresses. Yes, definitely. So Real we're not Housewives bitch. of podcasting. <laughs> I've been watching Real Housewives of um Housewives? Yep. <laughs> Real Housewives of Orange County. And they'd be crazy. But it's very entertaining. I've never watched a second of that in my life. It. I feel like if you came over and I was watching it, you would sit down and we would get engrossed in it together and just be discussing it. But I do that to everyone. No, probably, because like, liter- literally the only time I watch reality TV or like anything other than like YouTube or like my comfort shows, um, it's with you, like with my 600-pound life. Like I've only yes, ever watched that's it what I was you. thinking about. <laughs> and then that one show that was like that the um the makeup artist oh glow up yeah that was a good one i like that one Mm -hmm. yeah those i love the competition shows i don't know like Mm -hmm. the great british bake-off or whatever the fuck it's called i love that one too and then they have a children's version of it and the kids are so stinking cute and they're at the perfect distance in another country over the television (laughs) exactly there were so many kids at market today who kept coming up and like, it's fine. I don't mind if you touch the plushies and stuff. That's part of the experience. But there was this group of kids there um, and their parents were vending and they kept coming over and coming over and coming over. And they were fine until the one little boy started trying to like barter with me. He had some something in his pocket. He was like, this is like $5. And I said, well, I don't barter and all my stuff is more than $5. And then he's like, well, what about this? And it was like a $2 like coupon that the market gives out to kids for them to buy like a food item i was like nothing's made of food and he picked up one of my mushrooms the little mushies he goes well this is a vegetable and i'm like (laughs) honestly it has to be very he was very smart and they were all so cute and so sweet but i just wanted to be like stop talking to me i'm overwhelmed Yeah. (laughs) yeah their their parents were just like letting them do that well their parents were vendors and his older sister was with him now she must have been like 12 or so so she was responsible enough to keep an eye on them but the, i think it's because they're vendors so they just go around and talk to the other vendors and of course my booth with all of the little stuffed animals and all the colorful stuff attracts all the children yeah true Wh- which was not really my goal and now i'm rethinking my life decisions <laughs> so what up <sighs> nothing i'm here this is episode freaking 10 can you believe it's already 10 hell yeah bitch Actually, it feels like a lot longer, if I'm being honest. Like, thinking back to the first episode, the Guernsey episode, we started it out, and I I remember my heart was, like, pounding out of my chest. I was so nervous. And now, Mm -hmm. every time we record, I'm just like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Barbecue sauce on my titties. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know it is. It feels like we've... I feel like we've talked about it for so long and listened to podcasts and, like, talked about all sorts of stuff in general for so long. Yeah. And plus we kind of like morphed our weekly FaceTimes into the podcast. Yeah. That it does feel like forever, but it also feels like how are we on 10 already? And we've stuck to it. I know. I mean, I, th- I figured we would. I knew we'd have fun yeah. doing this. I'm definitely having fun. Oh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, especially now getting feedback and stuff. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, yeah, we've had, well, <laughs> I ended up, Sam knows this, but I ended up promoting one of our Facebook posts about Chris, the first part of Chris and Lisanne's story, and all we've been getting is messages from, like, old people, and I don't really under, I don't think they understand what they're interacting with. It's just people like, what is this? Can you tell me more? Where, like, I don't know. And then when you try to tell them, this one guy was like, I'm sorry if you're listening, sir, by the way. <laughs> no. No, we're not, because you need to be educated about the fact that it literally says, and this is not to be, like, mean to anyone, we're not selling two young white women on the internet. Literally. And we never will. It kind of seemed like he saw Chris and Lisanne, two pretty girls, and he was like, ooh, what, who are they? And tell me more. But I responded, and I just told him the this is a podcast about their disappearance and he's like well you better tell me more i'm clueless to the cast or its contents or who chris and lasanne are but i'm open-minded and and intrigued thus far <laughs> and then is that the one i replied to after that because yeah, i was like what like, yeah you're just like you can listen to the episodes on all the platforms and there you will get the details and he's like okay thanks <laughs> i was so glad it ended there because i was like yeah this is aggressive it felt super aggressive, like, you better tell me more. <laughs> um, and I appreciate all the feedback from that episode that we've gotten so far. Like, I had yes. um, one of my best friends from childhood reach out, Jessie. She, she binged all our episodes in, like, two days and was, like, messaging me as she was going through them and just, like, being super sweet. And she followed all of our stuff and, like, liked everything. I'm sure you saw all the notifications. Yes, but... I was super excited for all the notifications. Yeah. Shout out, Jesse. Yeah. Miss you. Yeah, Jessie, we used we to work together. <laughs> we do. She's so sweet. And but... I feel like what she said about, like, how it, like, reminds her of how she talks and does stuff, I feel like that that's true. And, like, hanging out with her, especially even at work, like, was always a vibe. So it makes yeah. sense. Do you mind if I do the update on no. George Allen Keith real quick? Okay. I thought we so... were leading into that. Yes. So we got another message from somebody who used to work at the the Warren State Hospital. So I have a little bit more information on George Allen Keith. And um, let me just kind of skim through. They said, there are many points you got wrong on George Keith. He was not out on privilege time. He was being moved from this from second floor to third floor, which was a more secure unit. He asked if he could get a book from his room, and the pregnant nurse said yes. He headed towards his room, passed it, went out the unit door, down the stairs, past security, and out the front door. They were all after him within three minutes, but he was gone. When we got search parties together and the dogs were brought in, they tracked him to Conowongo Creek and stopped. Most of us who worked at the state hospital feel like he had a plan and caught a ride with someone. That part I can totally see. Like, especially the catching the ride because they never found anything of him. And like yeah. we talked about kind of extensively in the episode, the fact that he was trained in Vietnam in, like, the way that he had to survive out there, it was unlikely that he died out there. So probably having a ride and fleeing to Mexico likely makes a lot of sense. And it makes a lot of sense that he would be conniving and sneak away. Yeah, and um, this person kind of gave up some more information on him and uh they said all patients can work their way up to privilege time that place is full of murderers and rapists and i'm not going to say that but child um, abusers yes 
They are the worst of the worst. They worked there for 20, I worked there for 20 years. I can think of at least 12 that were like, were just like George when he was there. They also took him to the bank regularly. He had over $10,000 on him when he ran. And the fact that he had $10,000 in his bank account, how? Yeah, weird. Like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, we'd probably have to look it up, but do you, if you've been convicted of something, because was he there for being convicted of something else? I, I'm sorry, I can't remember. He was convicted for um, Tracy Stetler's murder. Okay. But he, I, for I couldn't... reason of insanity, or no, did he get, oh shit, I can't remember. I think he got not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was committed to, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So this person that mes messaged us kind of went into detail about when he went missing. So apparently the, the nurse that he ran out on nearly got fired. That out on privilege time story may be made up bullshit the state used to cover their ass. Our hospital was in trouble for that for years. Approximately 10 people walk off a year, but typically we get them back within a couple hours. Even quicker now because they head for Walmart, lol. That was a bad, bad fucking day and night. Our units worked half staff with other half out searching. We switched every two hours for fear of frostbite. There were hundreds of people looking for George. Fire departments from everywhere, cops, lots of cops, dogs and dog handlers, and three shifts of the state hospital employees. And they say that I did have one patient who had escaped and lived in Mexico for eight years. He came back and his mom was dying and the cops arrested him and brought him back. He stayed one year and was released. So Mexipol, Mexipol. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mexico is doable if done right. George was manipulative and he liked little girls and little boys. If young looking Ew. small women came, oh yeah, I'm not gonna keep reading that. So they kind of go in detail of like how violent these um, patients were at the state hospital at the time that they worked there. Like I said, I'm not gonna read it because it's kind of graphic, but they said, I can't believe people let their kids play soccer on the hospital grounds. They sure don't know who lives in that fucking castle. So I've always thought that too, like how safe is it for, cause it's not like, I mean, there's a fence by the road, but it's not like enclosed or anything. So how yeah. safe is it? Especially, if, yeah. I mean, hopefully everyone's watching their children, but shit happens and not everyone watches their children. And if anyone doesn't know, privileged time is basically like time for good behavior. So if, you know, like they can go on a walk, like it was originally said that George did. I almost yeah. said, I almost called him the wrong name. Um, <laughs> he didn't just get to go on a walk because he was on privileged time for good behavior. He actually escaped. Yeah. That being said, I wanted to mention um, if my intention like going into researching any case is to find all the facts and like even if I don't agree with some of the things in a case I'm still gonna share it like I think Chris and Lasanne's story is a good example of that because I've made it clear what I believe but I also shared parts of other theories and stuff so everybody like mm -hmm. knew and I'm not saying that this person that sent this message was rude at all they ended up being very nice and very they took the time to reach out and like send all those um, messages. So if at some point in the future, I or one of us get something wrong, like, of course you can reach out, but just be nice. Because if you're not mm -hmm. nice, I'm probably going to talk shit about you on the podcast. So just keep that in mind. Be nice. Exactly. Like, and I want to, I want to learn. That's why this podcast is called Educate Me Papa. <laughs> so just be nice about it. And thank you to that person for messaging us. 
I really appreciate it. Yes, and we always, like we say, we always welcome and want information, people to reach out, people to talk, but again, kindness is the best, and people learn the best with kindness, especially yeah. people like us who are so open-minded, and like I said previously, sometimes when you're writing things and messages, different ways of writing them can seem aggressive, and both of us being people who have anxiety and worry about people <laughs> hating us all the time, yeah. that's very hard, so definitely yeah, share with us, but we will try to always be gentle, you know, giving our trigger warnings, trying to be politically correct and thoughtful of all of the facts, feelings, everything, we would appreciate the same back from all of y'all. Yes, definitely. When I read that first message that morning, I immediately was like, oh, they hate me. They hate yes. They're never going to listen again. <laughs> they think we're but stupid. It, the podcast yeah. is the worst. We're going to get shut down. <laughs> But yeah. Because when I saw it, I just saw the like the preview of the message. So it was like the first sentence and then when they started using caps, which is fine. We yeah. Haley and I I think text each other most of the time in capital letters as if we were screaming at each other. It's weird it's if just we, don't... we know our intent is to do it playfully. Yeah. But it's very rare that you will look at our phones and see a text between the two of us that is in lowercase. So yeah. caps are great. It's fine. Like yeah. whatever. But again, just we would appreciate gentleness with us. And also we want to share with people who might not know how those things can come across because that person obviously had zero of those intentions. Yeah. And I want to say, I really appreciate them for listening to me when I, I felt like I was coming to your defense almost because I would literally slice someone for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, Haley literally got me a candle that said I would shank a bitch for you right in the kidney. So like, and I will for, keep that in mind. To be really corny and use like a millennial term, we are ride or dies. So I was felt very defensive because it was Haley's episode. So I was like, hi, I don't know if you're trying to be this way. And we hope, I didn't want to like be accusatory at all. Cause I wasn't, I was no. just like, what are your intentions? Yeah, Tell me your intentions, you were, Papa. I don't think you were accusatory at all. But I think yeah. that they got, they got the vibe that we were like, are you good? Yeah. Like, are you pissed? <laughs> right. We just wanted the clarity and they gave it to us and were super, super kind and super informative. And that's yes, amazing. Yes, definitely. And they complimented the podcast at the end. They're like, I really <gasps> like it. It's a good idea. So. Oh, yay. I'm going to have yeah, to go back and read sweet. it. What are you educating us on for our 10th episode? Wuss balls. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I was trying to think of, like, a tagline for myself. You know how there's, like, Mike Will made it. Um, I was going to say Sammy on the beat, but that sounds really lame. Sammy on the beat? Yes. We should brainstorm that a little further. <laughs> That's not a good one. <laughs> thank you, thank you for saying that so kindly. <laughs> but, Hale and Poppies, I am on this episode... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to lose it. For our 10th episode, I thought I would do something fun and kind of special. And we are going to be doing 10 weird, interesting places in the world. So I did some research and found some, there's, I mean, there's tons. I found a list of 13 and then a list of 29 and a list of 59. And I picked the ones that sounded and kind of looked the coolest. Yeah, um, the I'm weird, excited the, to sh The weird. I was going to say the world's a weird fucking place, but I said the weirds. <laughs> The weird world fucking place. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, for this first one, I was actually going to try to do, like, a whole episode on this. 
because another podcaster who a lot of us don't like had some people on his podcast. I'm not going to even say his name because he doesn't deserve it. Who said that Will they you tell went me there and, and I'll cut it out? Yes. Because I don't know. Oh, disgust. Exactly. Um, he had these two people on the podcast who were talking about going to this place and they said some things which I wanted to look into. Ultimately, I didn't find anything confirming it. Like, I tried to even go on, like, a deep dive. I went on their website. I went on Wikipedia. I went on Reddit. It didn't confirm any of the things that they were saying. So I was like, obviously, they are just going along with the vibe of his bullshit. Right. So this is our... This is not in any specific order, like coolest to least coolest or whatever. I just found 10 of them and gave them numbers, so I would keep track of how many I was doing. So number one is called Center of the World in Felicity, Arizona. Now, also, I looked up pronunciation for a lot of things, um, especially when they're from different languages. I'm going to try my best. Thank you. You got this. I believe (laughs) in in you. In the Sonoran, I think it's Sonoran Desert. One of the hottest and driest places in the U.S., just west of the border between Arizona and Southern California, you will find a place named Center of the World. After traveling around the world, serving in the U.S. Marines, and developing parachuting equipment and techniques, Estelle met his wife, Felicia Lee. Felicia, who had her own sense for adventure, met Estelle when she was a reporter for Sports Illustrated, which I just think is really cool. Because this is in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. In the 1980s, the couple moved to the far southeast corner of California and acquired a 2,600, which is a lot, acre parcel of the, yes, of the Sonoran Desert. The couple loved that land. (laughs) Yes. Maybe the desert, though, like, no trees and stuff? Or, like, just a few? I'm just thinking of my dogs running around on there. Like, they need somewhere to run. And that would be awesome. Yes, they do. Yes. But. Um, the couple loved the calm and the beauty of the land, even though it had little to offer. In 1985, Estelle talked California's Imperial County Board of Supervisors into designating a spot on his property as the official center of the world. This is noted to be quite audacious, but as the world is a sphere, technically anywhere on the surface could be the center, which physically blew my mind because obviously I understand... Yes. I want to tell you something. Yes. I'm a flat earther. I'm a flat earther. <laughs> oh my god, I'm ending this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I did work with oh my I worked god. with a I worked with a flat earther in at a Publix in Florida. And he was the sweetest man on earth. I'm sorry for kind of derailing for a second, but no, fine. he was he was really really nice. He was so nice. He was like one of my favorite people to work with, but he did, he always, like, sent me um, links to, like, articles and stuff. He would always talk about how the earth is flat. And I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to, like, stock these shelves and, like, go home. <laughs> I don't believe it. Oh, my God. I, there is someone we both know of who we both are friends with on Facebook who is from Warren. And she is a flat earther. Who? I'm or not she was. Her, but I believe oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, again, technically anywhere on the surface of the earth could be the center because it's spherical, which of course I know the earth is round and it's a sphere and a sphere. I mean, a sphere does technically have a center, but we're not in the set. It's a, it's a, it's a ball, but we're on the outside of it. So anything could be like the quote unquote center, but it still like blew my mind for some reason, which I thought was really funny. (laughs) 
A year later, Estelle decided a landmark of such importance needed a town of its own. Named after his beloved wife, the town of Felicity was born. Which Cute. I think is precious. Yes. Yeah. Having a vast amount of land to build on, Estelle came up with the idea to build a granite monument with inscriptions honoring people and places important in his life. His goal when building this monument was for it to last forever and for it to be magnificent. He hired structural engineers. Why did I say that like that? <laughs> structural engineers. Structural engineers. <laughs> who came up with a design for an elongated granite triangle that they quoted would survive to the year 6,000 short of the planet blowing up. Uh, and what? <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I just wait until you hear the rest of these details, but I have pictures um, for all of these, but especially this one because I researched it first. And this place is like. Are you going to send like, them to me? I don't have them on my phone, but I will. Do you want me to You're find so them and send them we're... to you as I'm talking? You're so lucky we're not in the same room right now. No, it's fine. Be, you don't be... have to. Okay. But I will later. But I'll kick your ass um, next time I see you. <laughs> please do. I've been needing a Haley ass kicking. <laughs> the monument went up in 1991 and stood at four and a half feet tall by a hundred feet long. So it seems pretty short. And it's 100 feet long. It's faced with 60-plus panels of granite. And it was internally fortified with steel-reinforced concrete that goes three feet into the ground. Damn. So, all together, if you were to, like, pull it up out of the ground, it's actually seven and a half feet tall. But three feet of it is buried under the ground to fortify it. And that's how they made it so it would last to the year 6,000. Estelle since then expanded the monument, and today it is made up of 20 identically shaped monuments. So it went from one 100-foot-long, basically, like, pyramid, except it's not a pyramid, it's an elongated triangle, into 20, which make up the Museum of History in Granite, which is like an actual museum. And regarding the monument, a post on TripAdvisor reads that Martians will come to learn here, come here to learn about humanity. Like, That's spooky. It's just crazy. The monuments show much of what is known about the world from the Big Bang Theory to religion and the presidents. So basically, it's like a monument of history carved out in granite, freaking cemented into the ground. I want to go. Me too. Um, even You'll want to go even more once I read you the rest. One of the most famous and possibly most curious pieces of architecture on the property is a pyramid. Standing at 21 feet high and constructed of pink granite, it houses a metal plaque that marks the center of the world. Um, it costs $3 to get into the property, at least at the time that this article was written. Guests can pay another $2 to receive a certificate authenticating that they themselves have stood on that spot. Which, I would like that certificate and I would frame it and put it in my office when I'm the president. <laughs> And then my face will be carved onto the Museum of Granite. Thank you. Hell yeah, I'll <laughs> carve it. <gasps> Beautiful. The tallest building on the property is a white chapel. It sits atop a 35-foot-tall earthen hill. It is said that Estelle is not particularly religious, but thought that having the chapel would keep them on their good behavior. Which I think is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, the property is also home to other pieces of art and architecture that don't seem to have much to do with anything. And some of the most notable are a 25-foot piece of the original spiral staircase from the Eiffel Tower 
seen jutting up into the air leading to nowhere. That's horrifying. It's, and also I really, I love spiral staircases. I've loved them since I was a kid. My, my great grandmother had a spiral staircase in her house and I fell down at once and... <laughs> oh my God. How did you That's even fall down? You're too tall. No, I was a kid. I was like not as tall as I am now. <laughs> I was child sized. That's you know like my we, fear we though. Grow. But yeah, that's we we do. We grow. <laughs> yeah, that's that I'm going to go just for the spiral staircase. <laughs> I'm going to send you a picture of it cuz I found it real quick. Um and it is really creepy. <laughs> Other than the fact that there's like a fence around it, so people don't climb it, so that makes it less creepy. But if it wasn't for that fence, it I would be climb it. very creepy. Oh my god! It's part of the original Eiffel Tower. It would not be safe. I, I still want to climb it. I still want. I mean, you like falling down spiral staircases, so. I my death is gonna be falling down a spiral staircase. I'm sure of it. Oh, later on in the episode, in one of the things, I will tell you how I would like to go or how I would like my body to be handled after I go. Okay. okay. I'll get my notepad out. Um, it should probably be, like, legal-sized paper with a heading, and then we got to take it to a notary. Okay. Deal. Okay. <laughs> I'll meet you in whatever is halfway between us. Uh, Wyoming, probably. Now I have to know. No, I have to yes. know. You, you can well, continue you look if it you up. want. Yes. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, oh, no, it definitely would not be. It'd be Nebraska. Delaware. Okay. Oh, I think it's either Nebraska or Iowa that there is a corn museum. I love corn. <laughs> you know who also loves who also who it's also loves corn? corn? A big love with us. It has the juice. It has it the has juice. <laughs> Who else loves corn? Brianna Babiak. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Anyways, another piece of architecture that can be seen is a bronze sculptural replica of Michelangelo's arm of God from the painting on the, Sistine, on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And it acts as the center of a sundial, which is creepy and cool at the same time. And I think sundials are super neat. You said this was in Arizona? Yes. Right? I've always wanted to go to Arizona. This is okay, just giving let's me go. more reason to go. Yes. Let's yes. go. The couple live alongside the museum in a house with big windows, a library stocked with leather-bound books, and a piano that Felicia plays. I want to go to the house because it sounds beautiful. Yeah. In 2019, while Estelle was approaching his 90th birthday, he shared that Damn. he had no plans of slowing. Yeah. He had no plans of slowing down. At this time, there were dozens of blank granite panels awaiting information, and a new freeway sign was to be installed. And actually, you can look it up, and there is a freeway sign now that points to center of the world, Felicity, Arizona. An article titled, The Official Center of the World is, of course, in California, from HuffPost said, Essentially, this place is one big trippy experiment, and next time you're on Interstate 8, you should stop by. I want to go the like, really badly. <laughs> I know. There's a couple other places in Oregon that I have, spoiler alert, that you're going to want to go to as well. I'm excited. And the highway sign for the town of Felicity states Population 2, which is the official population, because it's Jacques, Andres, Estelle, and his wife, Felicia Lee. God, that sounds like a dream. <laughs> yes, it does, honestly. And it could just be you and me. Like, I love our partners. 
but like just they you and me. They can visit like every other weekend or something. Right, and it's like 2,600 acres, so maybe they could each have an acre like way in the back. God, uh, why am I but not filthy you... rich? No. And you and I could like live in a house, like the same house, but like conjoined, so we each had our space. I'm picturing like, it, like two houses, but with like a bridge and, an, <gasps> and a tunnel. Wait. And then also, there are bridges specific for the cats to get between the houses, so they're like a little open, like like catios, but like, yeah. I'm picturing like you live, like one of us lives on the bottom floor, one of us lives on the top, and then there's like a spiral staircase to get down, and then there's a there's one of those fire poles or the fireman hole, fireman holes. The- <laughs> Go through the fireman hole to get to the bottom. <laughs> One of those poles that firemen slide down, and then, yeah, that's the only form of transportation from floors. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can we also have a slide? Oh, yes, yes. <gasps> a slide. And then, also, also, to get up a tube that has suction, like, at the bank, or, like, on Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but not filled with chocolate because I don't want to drown. But we could have gonna... a fountain filled with chocolate. I want to drown in chocolate. <laughs> Same. Dollar General has chocolate, these extra large chocolate bars all made by Hershey, and they're three for $7, and I got one that's called Symphony, which is almonds and toffee, a regular Hershey's bar, and a Kit Kat. Why are I'm you excited telling to me snack this? later. Oh, my God. Um, we just recently got into making root beer root floats. Beer. I love and, a root beer float. And I've I've never been like a huge fan of root beer, but like I drank two cans when we came home. I think my taste buds have changed. <laughs> yes. Oh, my grandpa, that was his favorite drink. Like he would drink it for breakfast to the point where after he had his stroke, I would bring him, I would be like, grandpa, uh, here's one of every flavor of Gatorade. You need some electrolytes in your body. Yeah. <laughs> but root beer didn't cause the stroke. So keep drinking root beer. <laughs> Exactly. So this next place you may have heard of, number two is Cat Island, Japan. I have heard of this. I'm so excited. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. Also known as Tashirohima. And I think I'm mm-hmm. pronouncing that right. There wasn't a ton of information on this place, but um, I just found a misspelling too, and that would have been really bad. Well, no, it would, just would have been really funny. So, lying in the Pacific Ocean, off of the Oshika Peninsula, the population on Cat Island is 25% humans and 75% cats. My dream! (laughs) I was just picturing, like, mailing you in a box to this island. I'm gonna do an episode on the the cats in Istanbul at some point, and that's what that reminds me of. So... Yes. I fucking love So cats. I had heard of Cat Island before, but the Istanbul cats is the one that I remember the most. Not like yeah. a lot of detail, but that like if we were to talk about somewhere the cats lived. First, I would say Jamestown, New York um, on the streets. <laughs> because people. Okay, side note, serious note for a second. Get your animals, especially your cats fixed, especially, especially if they're going to be outdoor cats. Now, personally, I'm not a big believer in outdoor cats. I just don't think it's a safe environment. If you can train your cat, if you've got some sort of backyard, if you know, good for you. Not hating on anyone. I have way too much anxiety about losing a pet to let my cats outside. I think it's like, like Lucy used to be an outdoor cat at my dad's house, but my dad's house Mm -hmm. is like in the middle of the woods, basically. And she's a smart bitch. So like she, she's going to come back to where she's fed. But, um, I think like in, in more populated areas, I would never have an outdoor cat like if you're comfortable with it fine but like it just freaks me out 
And yeah. the place I used to live in, in Holiday, Florida, the apartment I had, there were stray cats literally everywhere. And we had this one that was always pregnant and we would feed it because like it's pregnant and it's also a, a, right. it's a, a living thing that deserves to be fed. It would always try to come in our house and I'm sad that <laughs> I you don't didn't. own that cat. <laughs> All of a sudden one day you just wake up and you hear... <laughs> and there's like 15 kittens under your bed, which would yes. be wonderful, but also extremely overwhelming. Yeah. But if you, especially if you are going to have your cat be outdoor, indoor, outdoor, or a combination of indoor, outdoor, please have them fixed. I know yeah. in our area, maybe I'll post something about this. There are a lot of resources for like free spay and neuter clinics. Um, a lot of the humane societies will do them. Other organizations do them. So please try to get your animals fixed, especially your cats that will be indoor outdoor because if they're not they will find a cat of the opposite sex and they will do the nasty and they will have the babies they will get pregnant and die <laughs> <laughs> mean cats <laughs> anyways cat so island. the journey yes cat island the journey to reach this island includes a ferry which can take anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes so there's a longer journey to get there i didn't include it because it's like japan's a relatively large country so i wasn't going to give you all the details but the last part of it includes a non-optional well unless you got your own boat or you, you want to swim you want to swim you don't i feel like you would swim. i love swimming not 45 to 60 minutes <laughs> because Why that not? would end up being f maybe 45 minutes of me swimming and then death and I want to see the cats. I'll die on the way back. I'll swim home. Um, <laughs> Glad we I'm... sorted that out. <laughs> I, that's the second way today that I figured out I could die. Wanted to die. Yep. Not, like, yep. actively, but, like, an option. Anyways. <laughs> I mean, at, hey, hey, at least you didn't pick a going down to view the Titanic. <laughs> Ocean Sorry. Gate. Oh, my I, God. I had to say it. Oh, if honestly, at one point we should probably do an episode on that because I'd like to go in on how fucking stupid that whole thing is. But yeah, I was gonna say it feels a little fresh, but literally like billions of memes have been made already. So yeah, nothing's fresh when the internet exists. So on the island, there is a cat shrine built to honor a cat killed by a falling rock. The shrine is in the middle of an adjacent forest, and if you pray here, according to the people of the island, you will re receive luck from the cats. So basically praying there brings you luck. Um, and even though it's a shrine specifically for that one cat, it's kind of a shrine to cats and the local people's belief that cats are lucky. Where did the cats come from, you may ask? Well, the island was a center for silkworm production, and cats were kept to protect the cocoons from rats. Ooh. Yes. And the islanders would care for the semi-wild cats, and fishermen would feed them scraps from their daily catch. So basically, it's like a huge community where everyone takes care of these cats. And yeah. the aging population of humans has declined over the years, but the wealth well-cared-for cat population has grown because they're taking care of them. And there was also a note, I should have written it down, there's a specific term, I can find it real quick. Did you notice that I'm burning two candles tonight? For extra no. sensual. Sensual. <laughs> Basically, there's a word 
which I'll find and post later. Oh, Megan's home. She scared the shit out of me because <laughs> I could see her walking through the yard in this window. The island is almost like dying out because the population of the original islanders, the native folks, is elderly and declining. And the cats are taking over, which doesn't sound bad Honestly, to me. Honestly, good for them. So that is Cat Island, Japan. Um, another place I'd like to visit. Also, yes. Japan just sounds really cool and, like, really advanced. And also yeah. Korea. Um, because I watched a show recently on Netflix called Exo Kitty. It's a character based off of the books and shows called To All the Boys I Loved Before. Um, mm -hmm. I never read the books, but I'm a sucker for a good teen romance thing because it brings me back to my teen days where I read all the books and cried um, because of my sad <laughs> love because life. Of my sad. Which, yes. <laughs> Um, and she went to Korea because she was Korean and she was exploring her roots and all this stuff. And that place looks beautiful. Yeah. Julian Solomita is in Japan right now. He's in Tokyo, I think. And he didn't he's... invite me? I know. I'm pissed too. I'm but he's post... He posted a vlog and it was very enjoyable to watch. So, <laughs> may I take you on a journey to another country? Number three. Take me, Papa. This is called the Plain of Jars in Laos. So plain, the... like uh, like a like a vast amount of area, mm -hmm. not like a plane that flies. Yeah, and uh, not like for, plane. Thank you for clarifying because I did. I thought of a plane that flies. So and that's what I thought of first when I read it, and I was like, wait a minute. The Plain of Jars is made up of megalith, megaliths or megalithics, which is a large stone that has been used to construct a prehistoric structure or monument, either alone or together with other stones. So Stonehenge would be one, mm -hmm. so on and so forth. Um, I can't think of other examples, so so on and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> it consists of thousands of stone jars scattered around the upland valleys and the lower foothills of the central plain of the Xiyang Koan Plateau. That word is spelled very insanely. It has an X in it. <laughs> oh my um, God. But I looked it up and that's how you say it. The spelling is X I A N G K H O A N G. Jesus Christ. So and, it's and I found a video on YouTube of someone who spoke the language natively and it is Xiyang Koan. I'm probably still not doing it perfectly, but that's about as close as I can get. Also, I think it's really cool that, that it's spelled like that and then sounds like that. Yeah. It's located in the principal mountain range of Indochina in Laos. It was discovered that the jars were associated with burial practices, which is crazy because, like, put me in a jar, Papa. <laughs> Researchers determined that the jars were put into place as early as 1240 to 660 BC, which always messes me up because they're measuring years before and now we're measuring years since so i'm like wait a minute wouldn't it be the other way but no 1240 to 660 bc there are more than 90 jar sites in the xiang koan province and each site has anywhere from one to 400 jars wow. yeah the jars which are cylindrical with the bottom always wider than the top vary in height and diameter from one to three meters which is 3.28 feet to nine point eight four feet mm -hmm. so they were huge i mean even th yeah. like a three foot stone jar is big but nine feet is insane carved out of stone most of the jars are not decorated with the exception of one jar at a site ex with the exception of a jar at site one which is like the first one they discovered mm -hmm. guess what's carved on it i don't know tell me a human-like frog man 
which reminds me of the Loveland Frog. I was just going to say that cryptid. <laughs> yes, which is insane to me, and I'd like to deep dive that further, but I didn't have time while I was doing this. So, yeah, um, you that's the only one with a carving, and that's what it has. And I was reading a little bit more, and there are a few legends having to do with like a frog man. But again, I might have to deep dive that a little bit more. Yeah, that's like the first thing I thought of was the... I'm glad you remembered the name because I definitely wouldn't have, but... I could not remember it while I was researching, but it popped into my brain as we were doing this, and I'm like, thank you, brain. (laughs) (laughs) Researchers discovered several, several quarry sites where the stone is assumed to have been mined from. Some of them were as far away as, like, five to eight meters, Mm -hmm. so they would, like, find the stone and carry it that far. In 1240 BC. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the whole building of the pyramids. This is insane. It is. Um, And five rock types have been identified um, in the making of the jars. They are sandstone, granite, conglomerate, limestone, and brescia or breca. um, B-R-E-C-C-I-A. I I think it's Mm -hmm. brescia. And site one also includes a cave with man-made holes at the top. And the holes are thought to have been chimneys for a crematorium. I I know I talk I talk <laughs> I've talked about time travel a lot on the on this uh, podcast, but I would love to see like how the world worked in Same. the way back times. Part of me it's feels so like crazy we have to me. so much of it wrong. I think so too. And like there is research that has been done, and I heard this a long time ago, so I don't remember the source. Um, but basically it said that like if it weren't for Christianity, we could be around 200 years more advanced than we are now. And because Christianity took over so much of the world, we don't really know other than what those people have said and written and told about these ancient civilizations. And we can study and whatever, but even scientists who probably don't base their thoughts in religion at all, have some sort of influence from the modern world, which has been shaped from Christianity, at least in the Western world, um, or in the United States especially. And it's like how much of that influence has changed the way that science has been studied so we don't actually know what we're doing. And maybe things were insanely advanced comparatively to what we think they were. I would be surprised. I don't know. It's like a mindfuck. It is. And I just thought, I don't know why, I just think about the message that we got about George Allen Keith, about the the story that was possible, most likely made up to cover what actually happened. And then it made me think of Chris and Lisanne, where mm-hmm. the story that was made up to cover what actually happened, and like, how long has that been going on? They're covering right. something up to save something else. We and don't know anything. Language, <laughs> exactly. And even like talking to each other now. We know what we're saying, but it can get misconstrued, or that message could have almost been misconstrued unless we had asked, unless we had asked, and we don't have anyone to ask. So the interpretation of everything from history to the Bible to whatever has been translated from spoken word, whatever that was, before we even knew, to hieroglyphs, to letters, to Italian, to different languages, and then somehow here, and we're trying to figure all this out. It just yeah, seems thinking about like about language freaks me out. Like who decided Same. What, what it means? Like language, numbers, <gasps> and time. <laughs> none of yeah. it is real. <laughs> no, and that's the thing is like none of it's real. So what are we even doing? But also like this is really cool, and I'm glad that they've researched and studied it because I oh, feel yeah. like 
a lot of things like that did have to do with like sacred practices such as burials and stuff but yeah it's just like how did we get to this interpretation but the fact that they that at site one there is a cave with man-made holes at the top and the that they, they thought that they made the holes to have like a chimney for a crematorium it's like did they cremate those people and then put all their remains in different jars or like did families go in the same jars like moratoriums almost uh-huh. or like um what are those things that cemeteries called mausoleums. mausoleums and although research has been done lao legends tell of a race of giants who inhabited the area and i like this story way better not that i don't my respect family. the history my family <laughs> yes a race of giants named the bets <laughs> who inhabited the area it says the giants were ruled by a king who created the jars to brew and store huge of amounts of lao hai meaning rice beer or rice wine to celebrate a victory against an enemy in battle. Yep, and I just thought it was like these are just beer jars, jars of old old beer jars for giants and I think that's really cool too and this is probably kind of weird but also kind of who I am as a person. I would like to smell one. A beer jar or a giant? Um, all of the above, but one of the jars on this. <laughs> I feel like you could smell a giant without even being close to it. Because, like, if you can smell people's BO in the same room, a giant would probably, like, BO up a whole area. You're, that's a good point. I've never thought about that before. <laughs> I just thought, how big would a, would a giant's cannonball be in the ocean? Is that what causes tsunamis? <laughs> episode is amazing i love it so much so many different topics get us off in so many directions so many tangents i love it papas and tangents <laughs> do you think that jerry and sierra would be mad if we changed our podcasting to oh. um <laughs> not mad maybe a little bit like hey hey what's going on <laughs> this episode can be coined papas and tangents yeah. Not the name necessarily, but like if you listen to the episode, you know that this is secretly named Papa's and Death. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm, I feel bad. I feel like I'm derailing you like constantly. I'm really trying not to. <laughs> I love this. It is so stimulating to my brain. And you know Good. that my brain, my train of thought is not on a track. It's 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 like um a bumper car at Midway. Did you ever go to Midway yeah. as a kid? And yeah, like I hate, you look I hate up, bumper cars. I love By bumper the way, cars. I hate them so much they freak me out, but continue, sorry. It probably didn't freak me out because I was the one driving like a maniac and slamming into people. <laughs> so you could ride with me and it will be okay. better. Okay. Deal. Um if we can both fucking fit because you're daddy say. long legs and I'm junior <laughs> long legs. <laughs> But anyways, the, my my train of thought is, like, one of those bumper cars, and, like, you know how it they work from the electricity coming from, like, the ceiling or whatever? Yeah. And you would look up and there were sparks? Well, mine is, like, completely disconnected from the ceiling, but there's still sparks somehow going there, and I'm just, like, running in circles. That's yeah. how it goes. Especially because yeah. I didn't take my second dose of ADHD meds today, because I forgot. <laughs> so this is very stimulating to my brain, but... Picturing 
first of all, then I thought of how big of a giant, like so giant, like you walk up to it and like you're only as tall as it to as its <laughs> as its toe, and then you just like sniff it. I don't know why the thought of that just like freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> it's very freaky. You, if you guys could see like the the hand motion I made. <laughs> It looks like she's being electrocuted. I just like spread all my fingers and just like crossed. I don't even know how to describe. <laughs> but anyways, I would like to smell a giant, but I also want to smell <laughs> one of these giant beer jars because although it could have been used for burial, so I might be smelling ashes, I would be able to determine if it was really a giant king, a king giant, um... That's also what they call me. Um, who was <laughs> making rice wine and beer in these jars. Just let me whiff it. Give me a little whiffy whiffy. <laughs> Sniff me, Papa. Can I, I just that? imagine a giant, a giant looking down at you and being like, Sniff me, Papa. I don't and know. I, am, like, I imagine... Um... Ella enchanted the giants from the, that movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I I love that movie. Me too. Anne Hathaway is a goddess. Yeah. Are we ready for ready. number four? We're only on four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. So number four is the Nazca Lions of Peru. The Nazca Lions are a group of geoglyphs made in the soil of the Nazca Desert in southern Peru. The lines were created between 500 BCE and 500 CE, which I don't know what those stand for because it changes every day. Um, yeah. Not really. It's changed. but um, And they were created by people making depressions or shallow incisions in the desert floor, which picturing that with giants and like a giant carving lines with a giant scalpel because incisions was used <laughs> into the desert floor. Um, and they would remove, like, the rocks and things, and that would expose, like, the different color soil that was underneath the top layer of soil. The combined length of all the lines is more than 800 miles, and the group covers an area of about 19 square miles. So, it's a lot of miles. It's a lot. And good I would carve 800 miles, and I would carve 800 more, just to be the Nazca native who <laughs> left shallow incisions on the desert floor. That was gorgeous. Um, do you want me to leave I'm that so in? I will. I'm so proud of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that I'm so proud of that is funnier than anything. No, it was, it was great. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Um. <laughs> Due to the dry and mostly windless climate, the lines have been preserved naturally. So it's dry. It doesn't rain very much. It, they basically carved this in. It was almost like tattooing the desert floor without mm -hmm. ink because it's just, it's a desert. So they took it away. There's no wind to like move the dirt back in. There's not a lot of rain. And when those things do happen, the lines are deep enough and have been there long enough that everything dries out and kind of goes back to where it was. So you can still see all the lines. That's crazy. Yes. The pictures are crazy, too. I can't wait for you to see them. I'm pissed. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about it as I was doing it, but I was rushing to make sure I was ready. No, so I understand. I'm just, yes. I'm excited to see them. <laughs> Yay. You better understand. I'm not, I'm not actually pissed, but I just wish I could see them. <laughs> 
I'm like semi pissed. <laughs> In the years leading up to 2020, between 80 and 100 new figures had been found with the use of drones, and archaeologists believe that there are more to be found. And although the lines can't necessarily be interpreted from the ground, an elevated view from the hills in the area or from the air in a plane or a drone or a helicopter reveals that some of the lines form shapes resembling animals and plants. Where is this Peru? And, yes. Southern Peru. Girl, you're making me want to go to all these places. <laughs> I know. Well, and the pictures, too, when you see, like, the aerial view, I can barely draw a stick figure can i look up a picture yeah definitely so it's called no not at all so it's nazca n-a-z-c-a lines oh my god Mm -hmm. (gasps) mm-hmm that's that's not what i expected to see but that's cool as fuck dude it's cool but it's also freaky and how the fuck did they these some some of the these lines total 800 miles long and they're huge so you see them from the sky to Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> there are, like, hundreds and hundreds of these shapes and drawings. How did they make them resemble things? Like, the my next line was going to be that the views from hills and from in the air reveal that some of the lines form shapes resembling animals, insects, and plants. Yeah, that's some of the, the pictures that I'm right. seeing. Like, there's, a, there's one that's a cat. Mm-hmm. Huge the first one I saw, yeah. I think, was a bird. Oh my god, this is insane. So how did they do that and make it look... Because mine, I would be like, oh, I did so good. And then you'd go up and it would look like something I drew when I was in the womb. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. The complexity of the lines vary with hundreds being just simple geometric shapes. And more than 70 of them that they've found so far are in the shapes of animals, plants, and insects. These designs include some of some of the notable ones include a hummingbird, a spider, a fish, a condor, a heron, a monkey, a lizard, a dog, a cat, and a human. <laughs> that one I haven't seen a picture of and I really need to. So scientists and researchers have studied the ancient Nazca culture and hypothesized that these lines were created to be seen by deities in the sky or for purposes related to astronomy and cosmology, to represent the constellation, for worship of the mountains and water sources, and also for irrigation and division of the fields. These are all different ideas, you know. And I I think the one for irrigation and division of fields makes the most sense. Um, If you think about other things that we've seen where, um, I'm trying to think, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there's different areas i think it might be like mayan culture where they like their irrigation systems ended up making like complex geometric shapes that you could see from above and it was for irrigation and field division and all that so Mm -hmm. um and of course there are speculations that the lines were created by aliens and ufo landings so i want to believe that it was like humans that did that though like i do i believe in aliens yes do I yeah. believe in them in, like, the crop circle creating these lines ways? No. Do I believe in UFOs from all the stories I've heard? Yes. Yeah. But I'm not thinking that they're leaving, like, special geometric shapes. Unless they are. And we're all just, like, and I'm just, like, half and half. I don't know. <laughs> so this one is one you're going to be excited for. Or again. Or again. Or again. 
and you may have already heard of this. Let me know if you have. This is called Thor's Well in Oregon. I've never heard of this. And I also this just is somewhere... watched... We've been, we've been watching the, the uh, Marvel movies in order, and we just, we've been watching Thor along with that. Ooh. Because I've never... The only one I've seen is the, the first Avenger, the Captain America movie. And I've seen mm -hmm. bits and pieces of it. Like, I don't think I even finished it. Um, it's an experience. I can see, I can understand why they're so popular, but anyways, I've seen, I've seen I think I've seen several of them. I know I've seen Captain America. I don't think I saw Winter Soldier. We of course saw Aquaman, which was good and terrible all at the same time. I haven't um, seen that one yet. We, we just watched the, the Captain America, I think the second or the one where, spoiler alert, um, Bucky comes back to life. You don't know? I don't remember enough. I do. Was, I do like Marvel, but I've always been a yeah. DC girly because I love Batman. So yeah, they're enjoyable, but they're very predictable. If I'm mm -hmm. honest, but so is so is Twilight, and I love Twilight. So right, yeah. We just love campy stuff. Yeah, and I think we could probably classify Marvel as camp. I think so. Yeah, um, I was listening to an episode of The Basement Yard today. And they were talking about Gen Z slang and um, Frankie, no, Joey was quizzing Frankie on what he knew and camp was one of the terms. And I knew like what it meant, like its essence, but I didn't know the actual like definition. Uh -huh. So I've been thinking about it a lot today. So that's why I keep being like, oh, that is camp. So Thor's Well in Oregon was once considered one of Oregon's greatest mysteries. Thor's Well is a bowl-shaped hole carved into the basalt shoreline of Cape Perpetua, which is a cool-ass name. Um, Thor's Well got its name after Thor, the Norse god of thunder, and local le legends suggest that Thor struck this spot, creating the giant hole we see today. If you want to look this up to see what it looks like... It's three hours from me, by the way. That's not bad at all! It's, it's three... I want to go north. I haven't gone that far north yet. It would definitely I, be a cool spot. I'm gonna go. I'm saving it. Yes. And another nickname for this landmark is the drain pipe of the Pacific um, because it's seemingly bottomless and the well continuously fills and drains throughout the day, making it look like it's draining the Pacific Ocean. Ooh, that's like really pretty, but also very scary. Like what if you fell in that? <laughs> yes. And I do have a little caveat at the end about that. Uh-oh. Um, Thor's well was once believed to be a giant sinkhole, but researchers now believe that it began as a large sea cave and forming over slowly over thousands of years as waves crashed into volcanic rock that made up Cape Perpetua's shoreline. The erosion and weather eventually caused the cave to collapse, creating the bowl-shaped hose. Nope. <laughs> creating the bowl-shaped hole close to the shore. And the collapsed cave has openings at the bottom and the top, allowing the ocean to move through it with the tides. And during high tide, water forces into the bottom hole and shoots out the top like a geyser, reaching heights of up to 40 feet. Okay, the next weekend that I have off, I'm going to make a trip up there and see yes, this. because, and I want to see pictures and videos because it looks yeah. amazing. Um, and also just the fact that the high tide and like the force of the ocean is so powerful and yeah, the, the way the that ocean the, out here the cave is collapsed. insane. Mm -hmm. it's and like the way the, like the cave collapsed and it pushes it up to make a 40 foot geyser. Sorry. Didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you. 
No, you're good. I was interrupting you, so. <laughs> Collaborative. <laughs> what is it called? Cooperative um, overlap. Yes. But. Yes. Yeah, the ocean out here is like, it seems a, a lot crazier than the ocean I've experienced on the East Coast. Yeah. I think that, I mean, and you're farther north now. So with the northern yeah. winds and stuff, the colder water and all that. Yeah, the wind is constant I loved earth here. Science. <laughs> yeah. But you know what that means? What? You could become a kite flying expert. <gasps> Annika has a I kite. Flown she, a kite. She brought it um, last summer. We went swimming in the river and she brought a kite and I fucking loved it. So I'm going to get a kite. <laughs> I love kites. I used to have one shaped like a dolphin. It was so cute. I got to get one. I feel like Zaya yes, would I eat like it. the ones that are like. <laughs> boxy and stuff you could just tie her to several and be like bye <laughs> she'd love it yes she would oh god she's so cute <laughs> she is i love her i'm just picturing her like dangling in the air with her tongue out and <sighs> like her head tilted that sweet angel she's such a pain in the ass but i love her <laughs> that's that's the point if they i feel like the sweet angelness wouldn't be as cute if they weren't pains in the asses every once in a while true so although it looks like a jump into this hole would take you to the center of the earth or perhaps another universe, it's only about 20 feet deep. So the Kinzua res Reservoir is technically deeper. And so is Chautauqua Lake. Um, I'm so sorry if I blacked this part out, but do you know how it ended up like that? Or? Um, so they believe that... Um, I'm sorry. A cave... A cave was formed yourself. slowly over thousands of years as the waves crashed into the volcanic oh, rock, that, okay. rock, yeah. rock, and then eventually caused the cave to collapse, creating that bowl out there. Okay, so I'm so I, sorry. What I picture is like those yourself. pictures you sent me. No, it's okay. I picture it like volcanic rock out kind of like on the shoreline, but still with distance. And yeah. like between the shoreline and like the rocks that you've shown me pictures of. And then it, but uh -huh. it was volcanic. So it created a cave, the cave collapsed and boom, nature's cereal bowl. Okay. That, if that, yes. if you needed a, an example for how trash my memory is, I was listening <laughs> to you when, when you said that and it just went poof out of my mind. So thank you yes. for clarifying. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so it's only about 20 feet deep, and it's located in the Cape Perpetua Scenic Area. Thor's Well can be found right off of Highway 101, which automatically made me think it would be a okay drive for you because you've talked about the 101 before. Yeah, I live like two seconds away from it, so... Yes. And there is a trailhead, which leads to a short path guiding visitors to get a closer look, so you can see it from, like, the parking lot, but the trail is, like, a very short few-minute hike, so you can go see it. Okay. But onlookers are cautioned to view this phenomenon from a distance, um, to not slip on the rocks at, into there. Because, of course, slippery rocks, it could be dangerous with different tides. Like, I can't imagine if you were about to go in at, like, low tide and it sucked you out or high yeah. tide and you got shot up in the geyser like a freaking character in a cartoon in a whale's blowhole. <laughs> Woo! Um... <laughs> And it's also to avoid sneaker waves, um, which don't have anything to do with shoes, as my brain kept trying to tell me over and over, because the bar we went to for Pride was is called Sneakers. <laughs> Dude, which, sneaker waves the sneaker are... waves. I was going to tell you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I mean, <coughs> they 
I don't really have a specific definition for them, but I've experienced one before. It was like right after we got Zaya and we were taking her for a walk on the beach and we were trying to introduce her to like the waves because there's constant waves at the beach. <clears throat> They're pretty big, but um, she started off like pretty scared of them and we were standing like in the water, like a, a small amount of water and I was turned away from the ocean and all of a sudden we got smacked with this wave and Zaya got knocked over and it almost like dragged her away and yep. the water was like up to like above my knees mm -hmm. and thank god she was like on a leash because she would have been right. gone oh that's so scary so yeah. i do have the definition um a sneaker wave is a large wave that cannot be seen from the shore um and that can sweep people away in the blink of an eye so basically they develop yep out far enough but don't create a wave out in the water until it reaches the lower elevation of the shore so it's kind of it's almost like the opposite of a tsunami where all the water withdraws before creating mm -hmm. the big wave um it's just like a a large wave not a tsunami sized wave that will that can come and rip you away and just with yeah. the location being on the shore and it already being rocky they say you should be careful yeah definitely they're a big thing out here Yes, so when you go, please be careful um, and yes. send me pictures and videos. I will. From so, inside of the cave. <laughs> yes. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what was that thing you said in the pool? I'm Kalbunga Dave. Kalbunga Dave. Hey, brothers. <laughs> hey, brothers. <laughs> we should uh, share those videos sometime. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday. That's At least just funny. the part I... of you going, this is Kalbunga Dave. <laughs> I watch those when I want to feel nostalgic. <laughs> oh, they're, oh, that was such a good time. Want to see me it do was. a flip? That, that one's on your TikTok so if anyone wants to deep dive. Yes. So just so everyone knows, we were at um, the pool at my sibling's house when it was still there. And we had little waterproof cases for our phones. And I love goggles. Shout out to Jerry and Sarah again, because when they were talking about that in their last episode, I wanted to cry um, can you hear the dogs barking? Yes, but it's it's not. It's Is fine. it bad? Okay. No, it's not bad. Um, I wanted to cry because I would like to play play mermaids with them, um, and like oh, the fact that mermaids. Sierra was so excited about wearing goggles. I am as well because I love to be underwater. If there's ever like an opportunity where they're like doing scientific trials to implant gills on humans, I will be the like maybe like the tenth volunteer because I don't want to be the first and it doesn't work. I want to be like closer to the end. Yeah. Um so I can That's breathe underwater. The logical choice. Yes. Yes. Um thank you. <laughs> but we were sharing a pair of goggles and doing underwater videos and stuff. So that is the the origins of Cowabunga Dave and wanna see me do a flip. That was really fun. I felt like our inner child came out that day. Yes. Anytime I'm in the pool, it does. Come home. We can go swimming. Come here. I'll get a pool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll swim in the river. I'll put goggles on in the river. Oh, my God. The river's so fun. And it looks pretty clear. After that um, other tangent, which I'm enjoying, the next place <laughs> that I'm going to tell you about, I actually saw as a screensaver on my computer. So the computer I'm recording on right now it's updated to like windows 10 or 11 or what the fuck ever number they're on now at least they're going in order whereas apple did like one two three four five six something seven eight then they did x then 11 i don't know anyways still love apple but anyways 
it has this thing where the screensaver changes every day and it's like a picture and it says do you like this and it was this beautiful picture and i looked at like i liked it and it showed me some info and this is what I found, and I've been wanting to talk about this. So this is the Pando Aspen Grove in Utah. And Pando, the trembling giant, is one of the world's oldest and largest living organisms. It is a grove of quaking aspen trees. I'm looking it up right now. I knew you were, because Utah is relatively close to you as well. Closer than me. Utah. Utah's gorge. Mm-hmm. Scary, but gorge. Yeah, isn't that where Skinwalker Ranch is? Is it? I think so. I thought that was up in the Appalachian Mountains. No, Skinwalker Ranch is like in the the west. Not oh, the west I'm gonna coast, look that like... up while you look up Pando Aspen Grove. Yep, in Utah. You are correct. Did you find this it? This is pretty. Mm-hmm. The picture that they put up on the screensaver was absolutely gorgeous. Okay, tell me more. So it's um, one of the world's oldest and largest living organisms, and it's a grove of quaking aspen trees. Located in the Fish Lake National Forest in Richfield, Utah, a grove of quaking aspens has lived for thousands of years. The grove is actually one single organism made up of approximately 47,000 trees that are identical and share a single root system. That's cool so they are fuck. all, I, I know, and I was like, and, and when I think of root systems and things like that, I just think of how closely they look to um, human lungs. And yeah. that like reinforces my like spiritualism and my feeling of like connection to nature. Like so many things in nature look like our bodies. Yeah. And I just think it's really beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. So um, many trees spread through flowering and sexual reproduction, you know, like. All that we yeah. learned about in school with the stamen and the other thing and the pollination and all that fun stuff. But aspens usually reproduce asexually, sprouting new trees from the expansive lateral root of the parent. So essentially, at one point, one of these aspen trees was the parent and then created all these. So they're all exactly identical because it's literally the same DNA just popping out little baby trees. Mm -hmm. um, and the name Pando is a Latin word that translates to I spread, and it's signifying the fact that the trees are stems of a massive single clone. Um, and the, the quaking aspen is named for its leaves that stir easily, even in the slightest of breezes, and produce a fluttering sound. Um, so basically, you could like blow on the leaves and you'd hear it. And it's, I'm thinking, I would assume Utah is a relatively windy environment so they're probably always quote-unquote quaking the whole grove spans 107 acres and they approximate that the the total weight of the grove like if you were to try to like pull it up is 6,615 tons damn yeah so that's what like thir over 13,000 pounds and the sad part is that the future of this giant grove of aspens appears grim um, according to Paul Rogers, an ecologist at Utah State University, the regenerative roots of the organism are under attack by pests, drought, and their biggest nemesis, deer and elk. Um, so naturally, parts of the trees will mature and die, and that's normal, but it's normally the external part of the tree. Um, but mm -hmm. now the roots are under attack, and deer and elk that are kind of overpopulating the area 
are starting to eat the newly sprouted trees, which is really um, stifling the population. Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is drought, which is, of course, due to climate change, due to human beings. I think that that probably has more of an effect, um, but because it's all one single organism. And let me step back. Trees generally will help each other live even though they're not one root system it's like a sense they have where if a tree is needing nutrients or something the other trees won't take as much from the ground or they'll send out like nutrients through the roots but this Mm -hmm. because it's one organism has kind of just continued to live as one and parts may die off but it regenerates and so on and so forth so it was able to live like through the attack by pests and drought, but because it needs new sprouts to continue living, the deer and elk are really doing damage because they're taking away all those new sprouts. Because if you think of it, plants grow through photosynthesis and photosynthesis is done through the leaves. And if they're, they can't sprout new trees to grow new leaves, there's not going to be enough leaves to absorb the sunlight for the photosynthesis for the plant to keep living sorry a little science lesson i i love earth science and i think plants are fucking cool as shit especially trees Mm -hmm. sometimes i just see a really nice tree and i just look at it and i'm like i feel you like growing up my friend had this little stream in her backyard and then it had a little bridge and if you went over the bridge there was a willow tree and it always reminded me of mother willow i love that was the tree's name Yes, okay. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> and it's just like a good feeling and then learning all this stuff about them I think is really beautiful. So like these are pretty cool. In my backyard, I'm looking out the window right now, we've got like a line of pine trees. And some of them seem like they could go down any day, but they still have like sprouting pine needles and stuff because they're with other trees. Now, you don't want overcrowding when they're singular, like separate trees with their own root systems either, but the fact that they're like helping each other and holding each other up is just super cool. So mm-hmm. anyways, climate change is bad. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about the deer and elk. They didn't really say anything about that, but animals need to eat. So I am on the fence about it. <laughs> but did you figure out how far away that is from you? Oh, the, the grove? Yes. It's, it's in uh, Fish Lake National Forest. Fish Lake. It's probably like super far. Yeah. 16 and a half hours, almost a thousand okay. miles away. It is... 1900 miles away from me so a day and three hours so we could meet there yeah okay i want to go I'll back to utah the, i'll see you in the pando aspen groves i'd like to go to All utah right. once you should let's go yes it'll be fun we should go to goblin valley because that's where madison and i went because we Ooh. planned on going to uh, to um arches but i guess you have mm-hmm. to make like an appointment or something so we just like we're kind of driving around in the middle of the no of nowhere trying to find somewhere to go and we saw this like tiny and when i say tiny i mean tiny little sign on the highway for goblin valley and we didn't even know what it was we're like okay like why not let's just go look we have a full tank of gas like we'll turn around if we don't find anything so we drove and it was that road trip was so fucking fun but we drove and we all of a sudden started seeing like just like it was pretty deserted and like flat with like not a lot of uh anything like, it's the desert. And then you go down this road, and all of a sudden you see all these, like, clusters of rocks. And it it's so hard to describe. And it's, it's like being on a different planet. 
being in Utah. I see, and that's why I have that desire to travel is to feel that feeling like you're just, especially even within the United States. Like there's so many places yeah. where you could go and feel like you're in a like a whole different universe. Yeah. It's and bonkers. I have a feeling that the two of you saw that sign, and even though you might have not said it out loud internally, we're both like, we are goblins, we must go. <laughs> <laughs> the movie, have you seen the movie Spaceballs? I think so, probably a long time ago. That movie was filmed at Goblin Valley. <laughs> That's so weird. We, Logan and I were watching it a few weeks ago, and it's not the entire movie, but like part of it. And when they got to that scene, I was like, I, I do this thing when I, when I see things I recognize on TV, I'll just like point to the TV and not say anything. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, that's Goblin Valley, I'm sure of it. And then I looked it up. But I don't do the pointing <laughs> thing, but I definitely do the like, oh my God, I know what that is. Oh, I know what that song is. Oh, I know who that actor is. And I'm like, I'm, most of the time I can't remember the name of anything, but I'm like, I think the song goes like this. Or I'm like, oh, I think they were in this. And then I find like everything they were in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, I want to go. I want to go all the places, so let's do it. Yes. Let's Everyone send I... us money. <laughs> JK. Yeah, I would like to do that cross-country trip with you. That'd be fun. We did... It's um, so cool. It's so cool. Vertical country trip. Yes, that was really fun. It was, and also wasn't. I was not... We won't get into it. It was just like... A, I honestly don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> I just the the I think the way home was more fun because it was just you and me and we were with yeah. the cats and trying to like navigate just being exhausted and I was in pain and yeah. whatever. I think the way down was less fun because I was cooped up in the back. But yeah. I did have access to the cooler and all the Pringles, so that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of cigarettes that we smoked on that trip. Dude. Immense. Let's um venture on over to Ireland. I can't do I can't. Um, and we're going to talk about location number seven, which is called Giants Causeway. Here's the giants again. Um, they're everywhere doing cannonballs and saying sniff my feet. And it is located in County Antrim on the north coast of Ireland. The Giants Causeway is an area of about 40,000 interlocking basalt columns, which resulted from an ancient volcanic fissure eruption. I don't know why, but I really love the word fissure. Um, but then it also a... makes me think of anal fissure, which I don't love. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm looking at pictures. <clears throat> That's okay. I should have had the pictures ready for you so you didn't have to look at them. You could. So, and That's basalt. That's really pretty. Isn't it? And just, like, I'll tell you more about, like, the formation of it and stuff, but the fact that it came, like, from the fucking earth. Yeah. Just so interesting. Um, and then basalt. I, I didn't know what basalt was, um... And every time I say it, I feel like I'm supposed to be saying, like, something else, like bath salts or, like, yeah. balsa, but it's basalt. Um, basalt is a fine-grained, extrusive, igneous rock formed from the rapid cooling of low-viscosity lava that is rich in magnesium and iron. I also love the word viscosity. 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 So, around... <laughs> Like, 90% of the podcast is us repeating words that the other said. In stupid ways. <laughs> oh, Repeat sure. after me, Papa. <laughs> that sound... Okay, so when I said it like that, to me, that's how the word feels. 
Like something that's viscous feels like that sound. Do you get it? Do you feel it? Yes. Because like when I, I, for some God awful reason, I got strep like last year. I don't have tonsils. I don't know how I got strep throat. It is what it is. But they gave me um, viscous lidocaine to numb my throat. It was as thick as like syrup. Ew. So I don't know how they expected me to gargle with it to numb my throat. Ew, you had to gargle with it? I never did it because once I squeezed it out, I was like, I'm not going to be able to put this in my mouth and let it get to my throat without... Dude, I would choke on it. Choking, vomiting, or just absolutely having the worst sensory experience of my life. So I do still have it, but I'll put it on a Q-tip and if I get like a canker sore or like a... Sometimes I get swollen taste buds. I will put it on there, and I'm like, my tongue, my tongue is numb, um, <laughs> from the viscous lidocaine. Viscous, viscous. But anyways, um, around. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Viscous. Sensual and viscous. <laughs> oh, oh, um, I forgot to tell you. Penny texted me, and she said she got to the. <clears throat> the end of the second part of Chris and Lasanne, and she said she wants a, a full episode, just whispers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen closely, Papa. Around 50 to 60 million years ago, during the Paleocene epoch, the area was subject to intense volcanic activity. When the low viscosity lava, I, I forgot to put the word lava, so it just says <laughs> when the low viscosity erupted. When the low viscosity lava erupted through chalk beds, it formed the extensive volcanic plateau. As the lava cooled, contraction occurred, leaving pillar-like structures. So basically, the earth went really warm with low viscosity lava and then cooled, and it contracted, because when things cool, they contract. Or, no, just kidding. Anyways, the lava cooled, it contracted, and (laughs) bam, there were the pillars. (laughs) Lava... I was thinking of ice, and ice and lava are definitely, like, almost the opposite of each other, so I'm not going to try to do science based uh, about lava based on ice. Good plan. So, the Giant's Causeway has been named a World Heritage Site by UNESCO, UNESCO UN, it's an acronym, U-N-E-S-C-O, um, which I forgot what it stands for, but anyways, you can look it up. It's also been named a Natural Nature Reserve by the Department of the Environment for Northern Ireland, and it was named the fourth greatest natural wonder in the United Kingdom. Nice. Um, the tops of the columns form stepping stones leading from the cliff foot and disappear under the sea. That's scary to think about. <laughs> right. And I just imagine myself walking on it and then all of a sudden just like, bloop, 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 I'm underwater. Which sounds yeah. really fun. But uh, in my vision, I'm also wearing one of those old ass scuba diving suits that was like the yeah. copper helmet with like the cage on it. Very much like decoration of in a fish tank spongebob vibes yeah and most of the columns are hexagonal but some have four five seven or eight sides interesting so of course there are other irish legends about how the columns were formed and the number one story says that the irish giant fionn mac cumhale cumhale i don't know how to say it also known as finn (laughs) cool Yeah, that's why I was like, shit. So sorry. <laughs> Do you know, know what I'm picturing that... now? 
No. <laughs> I hope everyone's envisioning it because I really don't want to say it. Godmail. <laughs> Torrential downpours. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Disgust. Stay inside. <laughs> but he was also, this giant was also known as Finn McCool from the Fenian cycle of Gaelic mythology. And he was challenged to a fight by the Scal. Nope. That's not the word. By the Scottish giant Benendonner. B E N A N D O N N E R. Benendonner. Accepting the challenge, Finn built the causeway across the North Channel so that the two could meet, and Finn defeats Benendonner. So basically, he built it so he could get over to beat the shit out of this guy, and he did it. Hell yeah. The end. So. The next place we are venturing is Darvaza, the Darvaza gas crater in Turkmenistan. There we go. So also known as the door to hell or the gates of hell, the Darvaza gas crater is a burning natural gas field that collapsed into a cavern. I will send you a picture. Yes, please. So I'm going to send you two and then later on in the little blip I have here, I will send you another one. So the Wait, floor and the rim. Oh, repeat where this is. Sorry, Turkmenistan. Okay. Oh, what the fuck? Which is a country in Central Asia, um, bordered by Kazakhstan to the northwest and Uzbekistan to the north, east and northeast. So the floor and rim of the crater is illuminated by hundreds of natural gas fires, which have been burning for an unknown amount of time, mm-hmm. which it makes it even creepier. It reminds me of um, Centralia in Pennsylvania, that one that Silent Hill's based off of. Why do I feel like I don't know this? Have you not seen Silent Hill? I feel like I might. I don't. Honestly, I don't know. It's like a town where, like, there were, like, coal mines or something, and, like, a fire got lit under there, and it just, like, it's still burning to this day. Yes. So, like, the whole yes, town had know. to be. Yeah. But that's what that, that reminded me of. Yes. And then there's also the place in New York, which I can't remember where it is, the Eternal Flame. I haven't heard of it. You've never heard of the Eternal Flame? That is in, let me... Eternal Flame Falls is a small waterfall located in the Shale Creek Preserve, a section of Chestnut Ridge Park in western New York. Okay. So it's up by Buffalo, and I've Mm -hmm. never been. But basically, it's a natural gas flame that burns behind a waterfall. It's very small. I think I... Yeah, I think I have heard of that, actually. Yes. So... Um, Back to Turkmenistan. It's alleged that in 1971, Soviet geologists were drilling for oil in the desert when they hit a pocket of natural gas, causing the earth to collapse and forming three large sinkholes. Um, It's rumored that the geologists lit one of the craters on fire to prevent the methane from leaking into the atmosphere, thinking it would burn out in a matter of weeks. The true knowledge of how these craters were formed and is lit and were lit is now classified information and said to be one of the USSR's top secrets due to the fact that gas and oil were highly prized in Turkmenistan during um, the Soviet rule. So basically, most of the info on this and like what happened and why it's there is all like classified and privileged information. Mm-hmm. Which makes it like really creepy to me, especially knowing like that it had something to do with the Soviets. 
Yeah. In April of 2010, it was recommended that measures be taken to limit the crater's likelihood of developing other natural gas fields in the area. And in January of 2022, the president of Turkmenistan announced plans to extinguish the crater. Um, but the crater remains open until this day. And also, I don't know why that one source said three. I don't know if it like they all fell into one or if it wasn't really three. It was just one large one. Um, but the, that one that I sh sent you the picture of remains open until this day. So That's this crazy. next photo I'm going to send you okay. is about this next point. So in 2013, George Coronis, <gasps> I don't know if I'm saying that right. Became What's he doing the first... in there? <laughs> well, Mr. <sighs> Mr. George became the first person to set foot at the bottom of the crater. He was gathering soil samples for the Extreme Microbiome Project. The descent was sponsored by National Geographic, Geographic, <laughs> National Geographic, and was featured in an episode of the National Geographic Channel series "Die Trying." George used a custom-made Kevlar harness attached to multiple Technora ropes attached to a full-body aluminized suit with a self-contained breathing apparatus, and he has since wished to descend into the crater again, carrying more equipment for better profiling of the local biome. So okay. this guy went into this burning pit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I would never do that. <laughs> Um, I really don't like heat that much, and that suit looks like it's hella hot by itself, so going into, like, a literal pit of fire sounds even worse. Yeah, sweating is, like, one of my... Whenever I'm, like, super sweaty, I'm all... I'm, like, super irritated. Sensory like, overload. Yeah. No, I get it. And, like, the feeling of, like, when things stick to you and you're sweaty and stuff... Ugh. Nope. Yeah. But yeah. because of the information being classified and like basically privileged information from the Soviet times. That's really all the information that I have. So where there's no 100% way to know how it was lit or how the crater formed, but it is a natural gas crater that is on fire all the time. That's wild. Uh-huh. The world is so weird. It, it's, it's so weird. And the fact that like the fact that I have to pay to turn my stove on, but there's just this giant fucking hole in the middle of the desert that I could go cook my shit on for free. Minus travel expenses. Um, like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like we don't know anything. And like, my, my immediate thought, I don't know why, was that that train that derailed in Ohio or whatever. And we heard about it for a little bit and then it was just gone. Mm-hmm. And how, like, they were saying that it was, like, damage, like, um, polluting the water. And yeah. I remember seeing someone post a video, or Megan showed me a video of some lady who had made coffee and she poured her creamer in it. And, like, the creamer, like, bubbled up a little bit when she poured it in there. Mm hmm And she was like, oh, the water's contaminated. But then I had made coffee and put it in the microwave because it was a little cold and I heated it up too much and put creamer in it and it did the exact same thing. So, like, even when we think we're seeing things from people who are experiencing it, we don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah, we can't trust anything we see. <sighs> yeah, the um, world... Ocean Gate proves that. Yeah. The world is beautiful in so many ways, but it's also very scary and very unknown and very confusing and 
just, I don't even know. I, I agree. And I think about the fact that like, there's these things that I am just learning about literally like today when I was researching specific ones like this, this crater. And then how we don't even know like about the ocean completely, but then we're worried about going to space. Yeah. Or, and we don't even know how this, this fucking hell pit was lit, but we're thinking yeah. about billionaires going to the moon or to the bottom of the ocean. Although the ocean needs to be, could be explored more, but anyways, that wasn't the point of that. So yeah, the ocean should it. be explored more, but we should leave the Titanic alone, bro. <laughs> it's at the bottom of the ocean for a reason. Exactly. Like, I, I understand. I, I understand the draw to like see it, but it's at the bottom of the ocean. Like I'm not gonna, right. even if I had the money to do it, I would not. And do not it. even in a shallow part of the ocean. Right. <laughs> not even in, <laughs> It's not in the shallow part. What? <laughs> I can only I can only swim in the shallow end unless I have my floaties on. My mom yeah. told me so. She said I sink like a rock. <laughs> so I will say I don't know if you saw the a meme, but Megan did show me a meme. Like I think it was the day of or the day after the whole, everything came out about the freaking little box that they put in the water. Um, the little tuna can. No, it was more like a Campbell's soup can. Because it was it was longer, but anyways, it was like a like a picture of everyone on the Titanic, and it was like the Titanic people greeting you when you get down there, <laughs> like all the ghosts. Oh, it was like, like... Oh, the Titanic people greeting you when you become one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about all of that. Like, I don't know. Like I said, we should talk about it at some point. It is still fresh. I have mixed feelings as well. Part of me is like, is he, is this even real? Part of me is like, I don't necessarily think that all these memes mocking their death should have been made so soon, but part of me is also like, they, this, I don't even know how to word it. Like, they, they knew the risks going down there. Well, right, and it's like, I want to know more about the people who, like, led the expedition, because obviously they didn't do any research on the way that water pressure works, and they put them... In a human-sized soup can where they all had to sit crunched up to look out one window. One viewport. Like, bolted them into it. What? Yeah. Stupid. The whole thing was just... And I'm not blaming the people on it. Especially the young guy. But, like, why were we doing this? Yeah. It's like $250,000 for one person. Like, where that money could have been... This is controversial. <laughs> it is very controversial, and it's going to be controversial regardless. There's no right answer, but again, the money yeah. could have been spent on other things, even for themselves. You don't, you don't have to see the Titanic. Like it's there. There's, there's pictures of it. Like you don't have to be the one to see it in person. Like, Ugh. and also, in that submarine, there was only a little. There was no windows. It was only that one thing, that one viewhole. The, the viewport. Right. And yeah. the thing is, is it's not even a submarine. Yeah. It was basically like a little, like a, almost like an escape pod, but it it didn't even have like an engine or anything. It couldn't move. It was basically like a, like a, like a fishing magnet on a string. I, yeah, I don't get it, but. I don't either. Let's get off this though. Cause this is. Again, we digress. <laughs> so. This next place is somewhere that I think I really want to go, but also the idea of doing this journey kind of freaks me out. 
you'll see why. Um, I think you'll feel the same. Like, it seems really cool, but also, like, a little weird, especially once I send you pictures. So, we are heading off to Waitomo Caves in New Zealand. And an excerpt from NewZealand.com states, Under the green hills of Waitomo lies a labyrinth of caves, sinkholes, and underground rivers. The area's name comes from the Maori word way for water and tomo for hole. So, water hole. But it mm -hmm. sounds, Waitomo sounds really pretty. And the Maori people are the native people of New Zealand. Okay. From what I know. Located on the North Island of New Zealand, Waitomo Cave is known for its population of Arachnocampo luminosa, a species of glowworm found exclusively in New Zealand. So, picture time. <gasps> oh my god, when are we going? <laughs> right. So, the local Maori people knew about the caves for a century, of course, before others were shown the entrance in 1884, and extensive explorations were done in 1887 and 1888. The exploration began where the stream flowing into the cave goes underground, which is now the tourist exit. On the beginning of their journey, they came across the Glowworm Grotto, which amazed them with twinkling lights, and that's the picture I showed you as part of the Glowworm Grotto. Traveling further into the caves, they also discovered limestone formations of all shapes and sizes, which, of course, in the 1880s baffled them. Mm -hmm. So I'll send you another picture. I'm actually going to send you two. One's just like a lit up picture of the cave, and then the other one's another one of the <gasps> glowworm grotto. It looks like, um, have you seen the Indiana Jones movies? Yes. The Temple of Doom? Yes. It reminds me of that scene where they're riding through on, in that, like, that cart, you know, trying to get out. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what, it, this it, picture with the, the track, it reminds yes. me of that. It specifically reminded me of, um, wow, I just totally lost everything that was coming to my brain. Oh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory again. Yeah. So here's another picture of the Glowworm Grotto, and this looks super fun, although the idea of being that far underground and also in water kind of freaks me out, but it also looks so pretty. Yeah, that's really pretty. Like, if that's how I had to go, I'd go that way. Yeah, that's really but pretty. But also, like... It's full of bugs, which freaks me out. But they're, like, a lot of them are wearing helmets and stuff. The, hel so, the bugs? I mean, if, <laughs> honestly, if a glowworm, like, landed on me, I'd be like, come on with me, little buddy. You can glow in my home. How do I get you on the plane? Um, <laughs> I buy it a ticket. <laughs> I name it Greg. Greg Glowworm. <laughs> the first. <laughs> One of many. Over the last 30 million years, volcanic activity, which I think I've said stuff about volcanic activity so many times in this episode, I didn't realize how influential volcanoes were on the development of the planet and, like, the things we see today, which I think is cool and also terrifying. Because yeah. think of um, Pompeii. Yeah. Creation and destruction. It's the circle of life. It's the wheel of fortune. So, over the last 30 million years, volcanic activity created around 300 limestone caves in the Waitomo region. The glowworm caves were formed when the region was still underwater at the beginning about 30 million years ago. 
The limestone is composed of fossilized corals, seashells, fish skeletons, and many small marine organisms, which I think would be super cool to see, like, just walls of fossilized shit. I think fossils yeah. are really way cooler than I should as a 28-year-old person. Um, <laughs> but anyways... <laughs> Tours of the caves bring visitors through three levels. The journey begins at the top level of the cave and the catacombs, which I believe is the picture I sent you with the trail and everything. Mm -hmm. The tour then moves to the second level, which is called the banquet chamber. And it's called this because there was evidence of like smoke from cooking. And they assumed this is where visitors, early visitors would stop to eat. I thought at that point that they were saying that visitors could stop there to eat. And I was like, I can tour a cave, eat a hot dog, and then go see some glowworms. I'm down, but no, it's where the <laughs> early visitors went. Damn it. Damn it. I wanted my hot dog and my glowworms. <laughs> and then the third level goes down to the cathedral, which is an enclosed area with, um, it said rough, but now paved surfaces. So I don't really know what that means. And the cathedral, which is a part of the cave, has a height of about 18 meters, um which I think one meter is 3.82. So 18 times three is math I can't do. Hey, that rhymed. 54 feet, approximately. So it's a really big area. Um, and it, because the height of the ceiling was so high, it gave it really good acoustics. And a number of famous singers and choirs have actually performed there, which would be amazing because I love a good acoustic. And like I today I came across a couple people on TikTok who were singing and it was three male presenting people but they all had different like levels of voices and wherever they were singing had really good acoustics and I had chills all over my body. Oh, one of the people was Sam, quote unquote, hair wolf dryer. Do you know who that is? No. Long blonde hair, sings beautifully. I might recognize if I saw them, but I really want to see. Oh. Um, I'm surprised you don't him. know who he is hmm. because he's wonderful. I'm going to send you his profile because I think you would love him. But anyways, I love good acoustics and a good singing voice. So to go hear that and in a fucking cave, epic, mm -hmm. like goals. <laughs> um, and the tour finishes off with a boat ride, boat ride through the Glowworm Grotto, which then takes them to the exit. And it just looks so beautiful. And I will post those pictures. It looks really cool. Yeah. And that's really all I have on that. Just to keep things brief. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10. Last but certainly not least, our 10th location for our 10th episode is woo, Lake woo. Natron in Tanzania. Lake Natron is... Oh, what? Never heard of it. Oh, neither had I. So Lake Natron is nicknamed the scariest lake due to the fact that animals who die on the lake are turned into statues through calcification. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how real this picture is that I found, but I found it a couple different places. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if this is just a representation or like a stylized photograph of um, a calcified animal on the lake. What? I think it's a real photograph just put in monochrome and like stylized. Mm -hmm. The lake is an alkaline lake located in the Arusha region of Tanzania. The lake is fed principally by the southern Iwaso Nijira River, I don't think I said that correctly, which rises in central Kenya, and it's also fed by mineral-rich mineral hot springs. 
The lake itself is quite shallow and varies in depth depending on water level and at the irregular seasonal rainfall because, I mean, it's Africa, so, you know, mm-hmm. God bless the rains down in Africa, but they don't come very much. <laughs> um, temperatures at the lake are frequently above 40 degrees Celsius, which is 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, boy. Yes. And the alkalinity of the lake can reach a pH of greater than 12, which is very high on the basic scale. So I think the pH scale is 0 to 14. Mm-hmm. So it's very basic. Um, you're so basic. <laughs> and due to the way that the lake is fed and the surrounding bedrock, the chemical properties of the water are known to calcify the body of birds and animals that die in the lake, turning them to stone before they decompose. And this is where I said, I would like to go this way. Thanks. So I don't necessarily want to die in the lake, but like when I do die, calcify me in this lake and let me decompose. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me write it down. Pen in my, paper. My, yes. My legal pad. Contact your notary. <laughs> The organisms and other... I keep saying um so much this episode. Anyways. The organisms and other flora in the lake, along with the high evaporation rates, cause the lake to have patches of deep red, orange, and pink colors, which I'm going to send you pictures of now. I guess while it needs to go out, so one sec. Okay. Oh my god, that's beautiful. Isn't it? Hi, baby. I want to call him Walletta. I call him Wallifer. Wallifer. What did we figure out the Spanish word for wallet was? Or something? Hey Siri. What is the Spanish word for wallet? In Spanish, wallet is cartera. 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 Which sounds like the cartel. <gasps> and the cartel loves money. The cartel's a big <gasps> wallet. <laughs> Wallet is the head of the cartel. Wallet is the head of the cartel. Just so you In know. Oregon. The or- Oregonian cartel. Yep. The origami cartel. The origami cartel. <laughs> and then I just pictured a wallet made out of origami. Hell yeah. A wallet like an actual wallet or like dog wallet? Both. Just like the giants and the feats and the, and the, and the beer jars. I feel like this has become like our regular FaceTime, but like recorded, and I love it so I much. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then two other TikToks, and then also before the end of the episode, you have to watch the Adam Driver. What's his name? Is that his name? Adam Driver. Yeah. Yes, but let me finish this about Lake Natron, and yeah. it's almost yeah. done. I'm, I'm so, sorry. I keep like interrupting you. For no, this. I literally said watch this video. You are totally fine. I love this. I'm okay. sorry because this is two and a half hours, and you're gonna have to edit it. It's fine. I'm gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be great. Also, how long do you think your episode's gonna be? It's it won't be that long. It'll okay, be fine. because it's already yeah. 9:45 here. So anyways, the organisms and other flora in the lake, along with the high evaporation rates, cause the lake to have patches of deep red, orange, and pink colors, which I sent you in the photos. And it was very pretty. Yes. Yes. So Lake Natron is the only regular breeding area in East Africa, and I wrote that wrong, and it says East of (laughs) which I think is really funny. (laughs) East of East of 
for the 2.5 million lesser flamingos, which is the like the the genus species name, lesser flamingos. Mm-hmm. There's also greater flamingos. I don't know what makes them so great, but whatever. <laughs> um, and the lesser flamingos, whose status of near threatened results from their dependence upon this specific location. This lake supports more nests, and the flamingos feed on algae that grow in the lake. And overall, the location is a safer breeding location because of the environment being unwelcoming to predators and the flamingos' ability to build nests on evaporate islands formed within the lake. So, basically, the lake has little spots where things evaporate. They can fly over it and then put their nests there, and the predators can't get to them because of the alkalinity and the high saline content, Mm -hmm. um, or the high salinity, excuse me, of the lake. So it makes it safer for them. Okay. Yes. But sadly, Lake Natron is the proposed location for development of a soda ash plant. Do you know what soda ash is? No, but fuck that. (laughs) Um, soda ash is basically like washing soda for your laundry. We used it that one time when we did tie-dye to, when we did the bleach tie-dye to neutralize the bleach. Okay. The plant would pump water from the lake, extract the sodium carbonate, and then convert it into the washing powder for export to other countries. This would also require housing for over a thousand workers and a coal-fired power station to provide energy for the plant and the complex of workers. The -hmm. developers could possibly introduce brine shrimp to increase the efficiency of the extraction. And this could be detrimental to the lake and become a great threat to the flamingos, possibly causing them to go extinct. Because you drain the lake, A, you change, if you are extracting the sodium carbonate, which makes it have the chemical um, compounds in the makeup that it does, it's going to change the whole environment. And from what I read, there hasn't been any further movement on this, and they're really fighting against it. So my next Mm -hmm. cause is save the lesser flamingos. Agreed. And I think flamingos are beautiful, but they're also kind of terrifying when you see them at zoos and stuff. (laughs) I feel like you contemplated that for so long. I did. I'm so sorry. Um, I was trying to picture the last time I went to a zoo, and it was, like, so long ago. But I could see it. Yeah, they're all just, like, standing there on one leg, just, like, And they're flapping around, and they're really loud. They're loud? Yes. Flamingos are... Let me see if I can find um, a video. So this is Flamingos Calling to Each Other, Galapagos Islands by 562Laura562 on YouTube. I've never heard them make that noise. So when you're at a zoo and they're kind of like a, like a, a decent-sized group, but it's a smaller area, it's a really like threatening noise but they're super yeah. cool and i think also i pictured you as a flamingo in that moment and you should be a flamingo <laughs> for halloween because you got long legs true but i i, I like lend... to stand on i like to stand on both my legs you prefer horizontal yes but if i'm standing i want to be on both my legs <laughs> true i don't have the balance um, to to just like balance on one of them you know what if we but, got you one of those, like, pink bodysuits, and you put both legs in one hole? So you are standing on both feet, but then we, like, craft you another leg out of, like, a pool noodle and make it look like you're standing on one leg. I'm down. I would do it. You can, 100%. You can borrow my pink Crocs if you need. <laughs> Perfect. 
Halloween yes. is sorted. <laughs> yes. Got it. So, um, overall, I got a lot of this information from Wikipedia and then other, like, official sites um, from the locations or from the countries that they are in. But that is 10 weird and crazy, wild, wacky, goofy, silly, fun <laughs> places funky, funky in the world. Funky fresh. Um, Thanks for the funky fish. <laughs> Funky Fresh, thanks for the Funky Fresh friends. <laughs> You're so welcome. And also, I don't know if you've ever watched The L Word. Probably not. Um, but the beginning I of haven't. it is a theme song. It's like, loving, laughing, losing, cheating, something, something, fighting. And, and saying all of what I just said <laughs> reminded me of that theme song. <laughs> and I was going to try to start singing, but I ran out of words. And wasn't sure how many people would get the reference but <laughs> anyways um this has been two hours and 40 minutes give or take because of some pauses of yeah. 10 places in the world for episode 10 we did it wow wow that was fun that was a good episode that was thank you i i well worked done. hard and i thought i found some cool places um you did I definitely want Thank to go you. to the center of the, the center of the world one. Yes, me too. Like I want to go to the mall, but that's the closest one. Well, besides um, Thor's Thor's well, Thor's well, I want to go to <laughs> Thor's those two. <laughs> Thor's well. Um, <laughs> yes, I want to go really to all of them, but the yeah. um, center of the world, and then also the Pando Aspen Grove because yeah. trees and nature. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, yeah. I guess we should wrap this one up. So, thank you for listening. 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 You can find us on the social meds Insta at, I almost gave my crochet Insta, at Educate Me Papa. Facebook at Educate Me Papa dash the podcast. And you can shoot us an email about wild, wacky, crazy, kooky, cool places you've been or that you would like to see at educatemepapa at gmail.com. And um, I hope you enjoyed and stuck around for this whole time because we did it. <laughs> Are you going to finish that croissant? <laughs> no, Let me assure you. Sorry. I would never I'm... croissant. Stop, I, uh... I almost dropped my croissant. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I go to, I almost said Paris for some reason. Anytime I go to Panera, I ask if they have chocolate croissants. <laughs> Anytime I go to Paris, I'm like, give me a chocolate croissant. Actually, when I was in Paris, I never ate a croissant, a croissant but they had crips. And the only ones they had were, what the fuck is that hazelnut spread? Nutella. Nutella, and I don't like Nutella, and I was like, I don't want a Nutella crepe. Give me a peanut butter crepe. But anyways. <laughs> um, Haley's going to... I'm sorry. Make some noise. And... Hi, sisters. <laughs> oh. 
Well, Haley, this is our personalities in a, in kind of in a nutshell. Haley downloaded an app that says memes out loud, and I downloaded an app that plays fart noises. So if you ever needed to know anything about us, that sums it up. True. Thank you. True. And good night. Thank you. Good. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Sorry this episode was so unhinged, but it also was really fun for us to record. So I hope you guys enjoyed as well. Um, and we'll I see you next you... week. Keep it. No, I'm not going to steal another podcast ending, but that's where my brain went. Um, I love you, Ash and Alina. Um, And we hope you keep listening and keep getting educated, poppies. All right. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. My bitches.